True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am very excited to have my guests, Jennifer Gligorich and Brian Price. Jennifer, did I just mess that up? Glennifer no, Gligorich, you just good. told me that before we went on. All right, no. so sorry about that. Uh, but but I'm excited to have you here. Um, and Jennifer and Brian are from Leafy Legal, and um, they are going to talk to us about uh, what Legal, Leafy Legal does and, and how they can help investors like us. Um, but of course, I would not let them get away without sharing their true multifamily story. And uh, that's what we really want to dive into, guys. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right into this show. Um, Brian uh, used to be in multifamily investing yep. and used to have a portfolio. So Brian, mm-hmm. um, let's start really at the beginning. How, how'd you get involved? Uh, what did your portfolio look like? And, and you know, what did you love about real estate investing? Well, yeah, I, I got involved in, and it was right before um, 2008. So it was about 2005, I got into multifamily and I wanted to be an investor and, you know, everybody was, I'm, I'm in Southern California, so you can probably know where this is going. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but the, the idea was, is I wanted a multifamily uh, uh, dwelling so I could rent it out and such. And so I had bought um, a, a three unit uh, uh uh, apartment type thing. And, um, and so I bought that in, in uh, Southern California in LA County. And, uh, and so, you know, thought I was doing everything right. You know, you could do hundred percent financing, you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, your, your income or nothing. And so it was quite easy to get into. Um, but then when I started to have, it was in an older area, it was built in, uh, I think in the late fifties. So, you know, it had some wear and tear and such, but overall it was a, it was a solid um, property. And so, you know, as time went on, you know, obviously what happened in 2008, the market crashed and I went from, you know, thinking I had this, uh, you know, great investment property, which by the way, the rent didn't actually cover the mortgage. So that was the other issue I had was, is I was already underwater with it. And then when the crash happened, I was way underwater. So I was totally in debt. Um, I had over a million dollars in debt um, that I, I had a property that wasn't even worth that. And so, you know, I went through the process of like, hey, I, I got to figure out how I'm going to get out of this because I was starting to get uh, a lot of issues with, you know, just maintenance, the roof needed to be replaced. And I just, I need to get out of it somehow. So I attempted a short sell. And when I'm trying to show the property and such, one of my tenants was, um, was, was not very, um, uh, wasn't very uh, accommodating, let's say that to be nice. And so um, it was a husband and wife. And so the, the husband was great. The, the wife was very hesitant to show anything. And she actually called the fire department to come out and inspect the property. And so they actually had us had this whole long list of, 
upgrades I had to do as well. She like pointed out every little thing they wanted me to get the place tented. They wanted me to, so it was just creating more work for me at all. Wow. And so, um, you know, kind of going through that, um, you know, I finally got them to, to actually move out. Um, I had to give them notice. I had to go through, normally we were pretty good um, relationship. Um, which thankfully having that relationship, the husband was finally able to talk the wife to actually allow me to, you know, come in and, and get people going through. Uh, so we could try to, uh, you know, get the short sale to go through. And wow. so let me pause you there if you don't mind, because yeah. there's a few things I'd like to break down on that. Sure. Um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, first, thank you for, for sharing this story. I'm sure it's not <laughs> easy to, uh, to rehash all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think it's it provides a lot of really important lessons mm-hmm. to to other investors here. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, did you say 100% financing on this deal? Yes. Wow. Wow. Yes. Um, that's incredible. So it was you were not living in it. No, I was not. Man, people, uh, <laughs> those were the days, huh? You could get exactly. into uh, you can't do that anymore. An investment property. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I didn't start investing until after the crash. And so, so that's mm. a totally foreign to me, but oh, oh my goodness, yeah. that's uh, what a, what a great opportunity that could have been. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously also very dangerous. And yeah. um, you know, with, with that crash, that's really tough. So, so you bought this property, it was, um, it was on, you were underwater. So, so the mm-hmm. rent was not covering the mortgage. Correct. So part of your strategy buying that then must've been that you were factoring in appreciation. Because it's Southern California and real estate's not going to go down, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm in Los Angeles. There's there's just, you know, things are going sky high. And actually, I had friends that told me that it's going to eventually crash, but I didn't listen to them because all I wanted to do was get into real estate. Sure, sure. No, that that makes sense. Um, And and probably in any other period of, of five years, you would have been fine. Yeah. Um, between, you know, but 05 to, to 10, you know, to mm-hmm. buy an 05, uh, that's uh, a really rough stretch, but um, so, okay. So, so you're, you're not cash flowing, but you understand because there's appreciation coming and then now, um, now you've got to try to get out of this thing and the tenant yep. won't even let anybody in. So yep. I hear that Southern California or California in general is very tenant friendly. Um, yes, very true? much so. And so, yeah. so do they not allow you, like, is there a provision in your lease that gives you act, ability to access the property? Because where I invest, I can give 24 hour notice and I can get mm-hmm. in uh, with inspectors or whoever I need, yeah. need to get in there. The, the idea is you have supposedly give 24 hour notice, but it's, it, they still can refuse. And that was really what was going on. And mm-hmm. so they refused to have my real estate agent even come in to even look at where things were or whatever. And so it was really um, a pain because people want to see the property. They want to see inside. They want to be mm-hmm. able to know what's in there. And so that was where, um, you know, it, it was just very difficult to, to deal with them because even if you gave them notice, they just refused. Like, nope, we're not going to do it. Yeah, well, there's also laws for that. I mean, when you, uh, tenants in California tenants, but this is also in other states, uh, this is Jennifer speaking, by the way, um, you have the right of quiet enjoyment of a property when you lease. Also, too, just because you own the house does not mean you have possessory right to the house. It means you own it. 
So there's a lot of people who own it, but the people who have possessory right, meaning the people who are allowed to say yes or no, you can come in the right is the tenants. And that is built into their tenant agreement. So there are many rules. You have to give them written notice. You have to give them so many, so many times. And in California, they can say, well, this didn't work with my schedule. I wasn't able to clean, blah, blah, blah. They didn't give me so many dates. They just tried to give me notice and then show up. Well, I have a life too. Well, then those right, you're denying the right of quiet enjoyment of the property. That's those fines start out at 10,000. So you're already going to be out of a small claims court for that if you were caught violating that. So a problem with many property managers or people who own multifamily is you really do need to get a property manager who understands the laws of your state and your area because they do vary. And sometimes they can even vary by county. So it is important to know what you're allowed to do. At the end of the day, you are not, you own the property that's your investment, but they have possessory rights to that property. So you need to know where their rights stop and, and yours begin, and it's gonna be a much better relationship. Also write everything into the contract. We actually had a client that came, not a client, I take that back. It was somebody who just called for advice because they had uh, there in California about a $970,000 property. It was their first investment. They had a young couple in there and Lydia had a, had a baby. And he went in there to do an inspection because they have a rat problem there. Beautiful neighborhood, but for whatever reason, because of hills and stuff like that, uh, you, you've got to do it. So he phoned them and said, I'm going to be over. He gets there, and this lady has a brand newborn, three, and she flipped out on him. She cursed him out. She did a lot of things. He, he forced his way kind of in, talked the husband, letting in. The entire time he's in there, she's yelling at him. He ends up trapping two rats under the house. And he's like, I did them a favor. I saved them. What if that rat would have come in? Blah, 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 blah. This has hurt my feelings of blah, blah, blah. And this is my thing. And he really became very emotional about it. And my advice was get a property manager. You're really becoming over emotional and you don't have possessory right anymore. And someone needs to tell you that because Absolutely. you have to do certain things to be able to go in. You don't need this. And then after I talked him off the ledge, because he was, he was so angry. He was like, you know, how, uh, well, I don't know. If all, so, well, you know, some people can get so angry. They want to cry. Mm -hmm. Well, he was at that point that hurt his feelings. He's just trying to protect his property. And then that happened. Now all of a sudden he doesn't want those tenants in. They'd been perfect paying tenants for months and they got so angry because they felt his behavior was just ridiculous. And they're paying a lot of money to rent this really nice house that they said, we don't want you to come in at all anymore because you've upset us so much. So now this one situation turned into, to, uh, 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 you know, a molehill. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, now, like now you've got potential um, legal issues, but mm -hmm. but even even if not, you've got a, an unhappy tenant who's more likely to leave the first opportunity. They they find a, a better alternative, yeah. And um, you know, you've soured that relationship all because you didn't follow the rules of. of the yeah, law, and the, so. he didn't know what he didn't know. He just yeah. wanted to save a penny, and I was like. Don't do that because you're just going to get upset. You know, right. let someone experienced do that. It's well worth your three to 10% or whatever you're paying for your property mm -hmm. manager. It is worth it to get someone who's experienced and knows how to deal with it. And they will, you know, make sure that your property isn't as best they can, as best we can in whatever times we're at, not to like, you know, burn, you know, start a bonfire in the living room or something crazy <laughs> like that. Right, uh, right. 
Uh, okay, that's really helpful, and I appreciate that that sort of legal uh, perspective on this. It makes makes a lot of sense. Um, let's finish out Brian's story, and then we're going to transition into how that brought us brought you into Leafy Legal. But um, so Brian, you said the wife was really hesitant, and uh, you you actually got in through the husband. Yeah. So the, the husband convinced the the wife, like, hey, you know, Brian's been good to us. You know, there's really no reason. You know, he just needs to come in. You know, you know, we. I had to explain the whole situation and um, I'll give you a side note just because it, it, it kind of also goes into it is at the same time, I actually got a friend of mine uh, who I, I thought understood financing and such, especially this, that time. And he says, okay, what you have to do is in order for the bank to want to do a short sale, you have to actually stop paying the mortgage. And so I had been scraping it up. And so he convinced me not to pay the mortgage. So I, it's been a, a couple months of not paying the mortgage either. Um, and so obviously I, I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, anyway, so I, so Brian, I get in if you there. Can, if you can just put a finer point and clarify for our listeners, uh, should yeah. you stop paying your mortgage? If no, you, you should, you should pay your mortgage. Um, you know, at the time people were thinking that if you didn't pay the mortgage, they wouldn't take it seriously. Right. So um, you must pay your mortgage. Otherwise they can take the house and um, which they did. No, um, and so, right. um, you know, that's, that's, but I got in there, at least I was able to do it. You know, the wife told me that she was really mad and that, uh, you know, they were just upset and uh, she was actually going to, she was actually thinking of breaking all the windows and stuff and just moving out. So, um, and so, you know, they, uh, unfortunately, you know, they eventually got a, um, when, I, when you don't pay your mortgage, eventually they put a, a sign on your, on the door of, of your units as well saying that, you know, this is possibly going in the foreclosure. And so they get that too. And the wife freaks out about that as well. Wow. And so um, that's kind of where, where it goes. And they actually end up moving out. I get them out of their deposit and just to let them get out because um, it's just better that they're just not there while I'm trying to go through this whole short sale um, um, debacle <laughs> that I'm part of. So <laughs> Wow. All right. Um, yeah. So, so you've eventually then you, you, you get out of the house. It's gone. Right? Yeah. So what happened was that I was tempting to do the short sale and um, the bank, uh, which was a major bank and uh, actually got in trouble during this time, ended up foreclosing on me, mm -hmm. even though I had a buyer lined up and I was trying to go out of the process. Uh, and there's a whole class action lawsuit against this bank as well, which you probably guess which one it was, <laughs> um, but I won't, I won't say. Um, and eventually I, I, uh, I, they foreclosed on it and they took it. And uh, I, you know, I, I did some things, I thought I did things right, but I, I, I you know, not paying the mortgage um, really hurt that because that three months after they foreclosed on it, it was already sold to someone else. Mm -hmm. So that they they took it because they knew they could just resell it to someone right. else really quickly. Right. Wow. Wow. Okay. So then, uh, thank you, thank you for again for sharing that story with us. Um, so then, what's next, um, and and how does Leafy Legal come into play? So um, you know, I kind of go back to business is kind of where I went to. Obviously, you know, having a foreclosure on your record, I had to do kind of rebuilding phase on my own because everything's in my name at that point. And uh, had I done proper structuring, 
um, I would have not had it in my name and at least that foreclosure wouldn't be on my personal credit, um, which now it was. So that took a huge hit. And so essentially what we were doing was rebuilding um, you know, my wife and I, thankfully my, what we, we did find out though is I didn't have, my wife was not on the mortgage for that house. So if you are married and um, you have a, even a personal residence, um, have it in only one name or the other, um, because that will actually save your personal credit. Um, because um, yeah, that that actually ended up saving us in the end. That was another thing that we learned that we didn't know. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it is we we I worked in in you know more of a virtual business uh, growth. I've worked with a lot of startups and such, and so eventually um, Jennifer and I met at a different company. And so, you know, after some time, I've, I've been able to, to get back and, and start to getting back in there in, in real estate investing. But then we also looked at, well, what's the legal side of things? And so we kind of joined forces to then create uh, Leafy Legal to help people. So uh, if they are in this situation again, which, you know, every there's always going to be booms and busts in real estate or in any kind of investing. So we want to help people to be able to avoid the pitfalls that I did <laughs> everything wrong in, in my own investing. And so that's kind of where we got, um, you know, started with leafy legal. Yeah. It was interesting. You know, Brian and I both were business builders for a long time and that's how he met me. He hired mm -hmm. me to build a business and we took it from like three people to 221, 221 people in 21 mm -hmm. countries in 18 months. And uh, so we're experts at virtual organizations. So quarantine for us and, and working from home, uh, we've been doing this for a decade, yeah, you know. Time, yeah. <laughs> um, but I was tasked with scaling an asset protection law firm. So being able to, to do that and seeing it from the lawyer's point of view, the moment that that contract ended and I didn't have a non-compete, but I had a team that was experienced in this very particular real estate investor niche, I was like, okay, let's do it the right way that doesn't cost investors 30, 40, and 50 grand. Because there are powerful structures out there that you can utilize where you only need a minimal number of bank accounts, minimal number of EINs, minimal number of tax returns, but yet you can scale it exponentially. Your CPA, your CFO has a much better idea of, uh, of what your benefits are as far benefits and deductions because they're able to see the structure a lot clearer. And the old way of LLC stacking just doesn't work anymore. You know, it's 2020. The LLC wasn't even invented, was not even an instrument of the state until 1977 in Wyoming. And then on the heels of that, that, you know, because at that time you could still be a sole proprietor. And then we have the yellow book. We have all this technology. That's not going to really protect people as much as it, as it used to could be. Because now you have people that are multi-state and, and, and they're, they're doing bigger businesses. Everything's on a bigger scale. So then you had the LLC. And then right on the heels of that, you had the ability to work anonymously, truly anonymously, and split how you do business on one hand and where you hold your assets in another and to be able to do it anonymously. And so those structures have been placed for over 30 years. And in some cases, they've not been assailed. So it's the gold standard. So within the next five to seven years, what we're doing, everybody's going to be doing it because we're getting the education out on podcasts like yours and to everybody else that, hey, these structures that, you know, people you've heard about have had, you know, like um, 
I don't want to say like, you know, Epstein and people like that. The government is still breaking them open. Well, guess what? You can have these structures too. Now, if you do something horrific and you're evil, well, you're going to get caught. This isn't for people who are doing evil things. This is for people to avoid vexatious lawsuits. The number one risk to real estate investors isn't their tenants. It's not your contracts. We've pulled all the statistics and data. Real estate investors have a 95% chance of getting sued within the next uh, 20 years. And that was the data I pulled before COVID. And I pulled it with the help of statistics, with courtstatistics.org, the National Survey of Court Data. And so not to scare you, but if you were if you were a doctor and you're like, do I want to be a podiatrist or do I want to be an OBGYN? I would be remiss not to say, hey, bringing babies is great, but you're going to need about 100 grand for that malpractice mm -hmm. as opposed to 13 grand for the podiatrist mm -hmm. because this is your risk. Well, you're in real estate. It's, it's the most incredible thing on the planet. You're solving a homeless crisis. You're able to take houses that are leaching chemicals in the ground and these old multifamilies and rehabbing them or making new houses for people. I mean, this is a great, wonderful mission, real estate investors. It's one of the best things you can do, but you have a risk. And it's with car wrecks. It's with disputes from family and friends. You're more likely to get sued by things that have nothing to do because you have assets that can be attached in a lawsuit and the lawyer needs the law, the facts and the rec and recovery to sue you. If there's no recovery, if somebody says, Hey, they hit me in the car and I don't have insurance. So I'm not going to pay. Give me the ticket. Now they go and they look you up that when they come back, that skip tracing paralegal comes back. They're either going to say, Oh man, they've got 10 LLCs and their names on the LLCs and these LLCs own this, 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 and this. Well, we can put leads on that until this is done to try to figure it out. That'll be great. Well, I have insurance. I have Geico. Your insurance has caveats. It's not going to cover 10 multifamily houses. Are you crazy? They're going to tell you, okay, your portion for us to, to go through this is going to be 30 grand. Mm -hmm. And the name of the game is to settle. You know, they're never going to really go to court with that. They're going to try to get you to pay 10, 15, whatever ahead of time. But can you take that hit? What if they come back and they're like, we ran everything. He doesn't, he's not on any LLCs. He's not on any properties. No deeds show it. Well, that's a different story. Right. And that, that lawyer looks back at that person and says, hey, uh, guess what? I think you may have a case here. The law and the facts are kind of on your place. And we'll be happy to research if it's viable for you to move forward. Our retainer is going to be ten grand to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And then they get up and they walk away. The best lawsuit is one that doesn't get filed. So there's lots of things investors can do for that. And if you mitigate your risk and split things out correctly, it's easier to manage. It's better for your business. And then if things do go south, if you do have a problem, they can't wipe you out for everything you own. They're, they're, they have to get a, a fair payout that's limited to whatever that one asset is rather than everything. So yeah, that, that makes now. a lot of sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, but what you're saying is, uh, I, I heard you say LLC stacking doesn't work in 2020. Um, so what is- I mean, it you know, works. Is, I'm not gonna say, okay, you're right. It, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it's not the gold standard. Okay. You know, there are things that works. You could have an anonymous LLC and then have land trusts that hold properties. Okay. You could just have the anonymous LLC. You're going to have, you know, that how they do it. This is, this is, this is fair. This is pretty good. This is better. This is best. Well, this is the gold standard. So I'm going to say it's no longer the gold standard. Do, will it work? Yes. Are there ways that will work better? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Can you give us so a preview? I know every situation is going to be unique, but what are some of those, you know, new gold standards in 2020? 
You want to separate how you do business, your operations, your property management from where you hold your assets. You want those in two totally different structures and you want to be anonymous. You want to harness the power of anonymity. Even if you're listening now and you're like, I just have one and one multifamily. And let's say I have this podcast well, your face is out to the world now. People are going to assume you have cash. Yeah. If you don't have an anonymous LLC to do it, you've put yourself at more risk. And it's not its not expensive just to get that done, right? I mean, people who are victims of crime, you have a restraining order against someone. You're a peace officer and you're worried about your wife getting that Etsy shop because there's so much going on right now. You're a celebrity. You know, you, you are a real estate agent and your face is on every single billboard. People like that are at elevated risk. So why would you have your name and an address that's directly linked to you out there for free on the public record if you don't have to? It makes a lot more sense to be anonymous. So I would say the gold standard, the difference now is every single state, you can have an anonymous LLC and we can help you set it up to do that. I'm going to have to call you just because uh, it okay. seems like I'm doing some things wrong in the way I operate. <laughs> the so, um, you know, like, like most yeah. investors, I think, you know, you set up an LLC and mm-hmm. uh, naturally, you know, yeah, I've got, you can see behind me, I've got quite a few yeah. LLCs, but mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, you know, one holds most of my assets and um, that's the one that, you know, the income comes in and, and out of, and, and that's what holds the assets. So it's really where I'm operating out of as well. So, um, I, I think it's probably pretty easy for people to 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 do that. I'm doing it. I'll turn myself in, and mm-hmm. so um, you know that's uh, something that I, I really hadn't even considered or, or thought about. So yeah, yeah that's I, it. There's a lot of people like, don't know because the education's not out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even myself, I, I just want to get into it. When I first started, it's like most people are like they want to learn to invest and do the right thing, which there's a lot of to learn there. Just in that, you know, make sure something's cash flowing. But yeah, to protect that you know, and keep it, you know, then, then that's really what we wanted to, to do with Leafy Legal. Yeah, but we didn't want to be a law firm. So it's important to know we're not a law firm. What I do, mm-hmm. what I have are agreements with lawyers. So we have in-house counsel. I've got like Seth, who's in Cal- uh, the Bradley Law Firm in California, West Virginia, North Carolina. I've got Amagula here in Texas, who's advanced masters in real property law, and then attorneys all over the country. By separating it out, just like we separate out operations and assets. Uh, we don't focus on litigation. Litigation, real estate asset protection attorneys want three fifty to nine hundred dollars an hour, and that's a fair rate depending on what state you're in because that's their cost. That's what they need to charge. We're doing complicated paperwork and legal filings, right? Um, but we need advanced level paralegals for that. So there was this big gap in the industry. You either had Rocket Law or Legal Zoom or Legal Shield. And they can do lower level ones and you do it all. It's DIY. And there's really like a good luck with that. And then there are the types of filings that we do that you would have to go to in a law firm for, but they don't make, that's not their highest ROI. They want to litigate. They want to be negotiating huge syndication contracts where someone says, okay, I've spent my quarter of a million dollars. I've gotten my SEC lawyer and now I have a syndication and let's, let's, let's sit with these other lawyers and negotiate these contracts, right? there's good money in that. They're not going to want to do this, this paperwork. And when they do do paperwork, they want to do LLC stacking. It's easy. You can have somebody right out of school who does it. And, and it's just, there's, that's the ROI. The ROI isn't in it for these types of structures really for them because you need advanced level paralegals. So after I scaled that asset protection law firm, of course, having a background as an investor myself, I was like, Ooh, I think I just found a little niche that we could do 
and it could save investors lots of money. And then attorneys, we can still work with them. And then if they eventually litigate, they've already built a relationship with them and they haven't had to, you know, cut into their ROI. And yeah, so it's sense. all, and, and they mm -hmm. look it over. So that, that's, that's how we're structured. Yeah. Well, great. Um, well, thank you guys. Uh, I have to thank you guys for, for Brian, for your story, for that, that transition, and then telling us all about, you know, Leafy Legal. And, and uh, you know, I agree, you know, we got to be prepared in 2020 and, and beyond and, and do it the right way. Um, so you guys also have a podcast. Let me, you know, take, take a, a moment and, uh, and promote your podcast for us. We are at Leafy Legal. So you go to any social media, you'll pick us up. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on the radio at uh, WDJYFM out of Atlanta. We have a great drive time uh, show there. And we have, we do the same thing. We talked about real estate investors, but we also do entrepreneurs mindset. It's really for business people who just want to take different types of leaps to help us because right now we're all pivoting <laughs> trying to figure out what's going to happen. And so we have people like that thought leaders and stuff like that, that can help us in real estate. We're heavily real estate focused, but also entrepreneurs in, in, in general and, uh, and those types of things that it doesn't matter if you're just in real estate, you'll get value out of it. So that's what we do. Love it. Love it. Okay. So that's uh, leafy legal. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll, we'll look you up. We'll check out the podcast. And uh, again, thank you guys for, for coming on the show. If you like this show, please leave us a rating and review. Um, and, and check out the uh, Jennifer and Brian from Leafy Legal. I'm sure they would love to talk to you. I'm sure they'll love to talk to me because I need to. That's uh, right. I'll give them a call, yeah. so. Oh, well, you have a free consult. So if Woo. you call up and say, I want to talk to Jen and I want a mm -hmm. strategy call, I'll talk to you quickly for a couple of minutes and then okay. we'll set you up a strategy call. And that's free too. So. Like awesome. if you just have a question, I want to help as many people as possible. So. All right. Well, great. This has been another fantastic episode of True Multifamily. I appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, tune in next week for another great show. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.